All right, welcome back to Agency Journey. This is your host, Gray McKenzie from Zen Pilot. And today I've got the pleasure of bringing on a friend, William Ferreira, from an agency uh, known as Social Buff um, in the UK. William, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. I'm, uh, I'm excited to dig in here today. Um, tell us a little about Social, like the agency right now. Um, and tell where, where are you guys? Where are you headed? So agency right now, we are year four um, in trading. So we launched early 2019. As a business, we've kind of gone through a lot of change, primarily due to COVID, um, adapting to the market demand of COVID. We initially launched as a social media agency, which is why we're called Social Buff. Um, but because of uh, our backgrounds um, as kind of entrepreneurs, we uh, leveraged the resource and the vehicle that we had built in 2019 to help primarily uh, retail brands pivot into e-commerce or help e-commerce direct consumer brand scale. And purely out of demand, we kind of grew the business from that um, and became a full service direct consumer e-commerce marketing agency. Um, and kind of since then, we've kind of grown a lot in uh, different ways. Um, you know, we scaled to becoming a 25-man team during COVID and then looked at kind of how we wanted to to scale a business that uh, was a little bit more sustainable, but also created deeper impact um, and uh, produced better results for the clients that we work with. So kind of restructured, scaled back, uh, doubled down on, you know, what's really important to us as an agency and what do we actually want to deliver to our clients, which ultimately was increasing revenue and, and business growth through performance marketing growth initiatives. Um, and since then, we've kind of taken performance marketing um, and included a variation of different services that kind of help support that. So e-commerce solutions is now a Shopify partner, um, as well as content production, um, you know, basically being the backbone to our performance marketing and achieving better results. Um, year ahead, I think very, very simple. Um, we want to sustainably grow, build better brand recognition, not just in the UK, but globally as well. Um, and establish ourselves as kind of the go-to growth partner for uh, small to medium-sized e-commerce businesses looking to scale. Makes sense. Uh, on the performance side, since it's still a big chunk, um, this is primarily Meta, mostly Facebook, Instagram, or are you guys um, are there other channels that you're loving? So paid social at the moment is predominantly Meta and TikTok, um, some Pinterest. Um, we are very proficient in PPC, so um, particularly search and shopping, um, and uh, also email marketing, which seems to be kind of those three paired together seem to be the sweet spot for scaling e-commerce brands at the moment. Yep. He's using Clavio for uh, yep. email. Clavio partner, as much as we can, obviously, I feel that a majority of the brands that we work with at the moment have recently transitioned or are using it, but as a platform, you know, I think the same with Shopify. Um, both platforms are becoming the kind of go-to platforms for e-commerce businesses, but we're still seeing a lot of digital transformation, you know, migration from one platform to the other. So a lot of the work that we do at the moment is essentially helping with foundational work um, across what the best platform partner is. Um, so yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of that change at the moment. Yeah. It's interesting to see that space just continue to evolve. I mean, just like a lot of spaces in this industry, but um, you know, from an agency perspective, 
like if someone says they're doing e-com email over the last three years, like that's on, on Klaviyo almost for sure. Yeah. Klaviyo's obviously gotten ambitious with their pricing um, more so. And so now you've got like agencies and if you just pay attention, like in my world, I'm talking to a lot of agency owners and the buzz is like, man, I wish that there was another platform. And people are trying a bunch of different platforms, building different platforms. And uh, so there's a little bit of like, a, you know, a rebellion against the Klaviyo kind of having the market cornered for a little bit of time. Yeah. But then if you look at what are general e-com brands doing, like there's still a huge amount of growth in the Klaviyo space. So it's interesting to watch some of the, like, you got the the agency circle and then you got the end customer circle and there's, yeah. Yeah. I, I think definitely from an e-com standpoint, the space is changing quite quickly, but I'm also seeing a bit of a monopoly happening. So obviously platforms, platform to platform kind of integrations and partnerships, you know, essentially making it as difficult for the customer or the, you know, the e-com owner as possible to move to something else because it creates that ripple effect of issues. Yeah. So clever from the platforms. Um, and I guess ultimately if the econ brand is performing well, then they don't need to worry about the cost. But, you know, especially in startup scale up stage, I think we're seeing it a lot where, you know, businesses are looking to pivot and find better solutions, but it's quite a difficult market to compete against, to be honest, in terms of what you can do with those platforms outside of, you know, I guess the most popular ones, but I think there's a couple creeping up. And I guess it's the same with how Figma is kind of taken over the uh, the editing space at the moment most of our team has moved over to that from adobe and we're seeing yeah software in general i think there's a lot of great options coming out where they're consolidating um you know basically what you'd work across multiple platforms and software into one place so convenience is key i think um for you know both agency and brand side right it's definitely true. Just on the tool side, the everyone ridiculed Adobe for a twenty billion acquisition out acquisition of a of Sigma. Yeah, but I mean, Sigma really was in a lot of these teams eating their lunch in terms of design. So in some sense, it's just a hey, we just need to protect our MRR, and so we're we're going to buy them and it's like the hedge against the turn that they were saying. Yeah, absolutely. Just right upside. What um. What does the sales motion look for you guys? How are you acquiring customers? Honestly, um, I'd say up until probably around 2021, a lot of it, I'd say 100% of it was referral based. Um, I owned an agency previous to, to Social Bus. I consulted in between both agencies. I had a good network of consumer brands and there was you know, a, a good demand, so I think that kind of helped grow the business, especially during COVID. And in hindsight, it was probably also a uh, a negative effect towards the fact that we didn't build brand as an agency because we focused so much on personal brand leveraging uh, new business. I think what we focused on over the last 12 months is investing in the right channels and the right strategy to help build a brand um, as an independent entity that would be recognized in the market. So the last phase of that, which is happening in the next couple of months is we're rebranding and repositioning slightly. Um, and that would be the final kind of stage of that. But most recently is working with lead generation partner that leverages primarily email 
marketing, uh, so data crawling, access to database, um, whether that's software, and so being able to identify, for instance, Shopify uh, brands in the UK, US, Europe, um, and then ultimately determining, you know, um, a cold outreach campaign that would be attractive or, you know, potentially um, get them to, to opt into a discovery call. And at the moment, what we're seeing is a lot of brands are looking for um, what I would say consolidation. So sort of working for different agencies, they want to work with one, which makes us quite attractive to smaller e-commerce businesses. Um, so we do a lot of consultancy, a lot of auditing, and I think that's really helping with our um, our new business wins in comparison to other uh, agencies that we compete against because purely because we understand the business model and we put the business first over you know the individual channels that we offer as a you know agency that manages them and I think to a lot of founder-led businesses uh, and most of them are or at least kind of startup founding team businesses they want people who don't just know how to run paid advertising to generate sales they actually want people who can you know look at the PL, challenge it look at forecasting challenge that understand what levers you need to pull to, to scale an e-commerce business so we always kind of look at business first and then everything else second and so combined with obviously generating those great leads and, and our i'd say unique approach to sales which is you know we want to focus on quality not quantity in terms of the partners that we bring on um, I think it allows us to unpack and add a lot more value than um, our competitors do at the moment. That's awesome to hear. I think um, we got a question around the outreach side into as deep as it sounds like you're going in strategy. Because I think you could like you could put us in a similar bucket. You, know, you guys from the outside, an agency might be like, or uh, I'm sorry, an end client might think, oh, here's my Shopify partner. Here's my, you know, Clavio guys, or here's my like meta um, ads team or whatever. And what you're saying is, like, we actually go deeper than that. We can help you run it. Like, there's no point scaling an offer if it's not profitable for you. All the all the classic mistakes in e-com. And in our business, it's a lot of the same thing. We're known by a lot of folks as, hey, if we're looking for ClickUp help, like SendPilot's the largest ClickUp solutions partner. They're the the first ones. They're the highest rated ones. Like, it's my ClickUp partner. And the reality is, is ClickUp is kind of the, like, that's the front door. That's the way to find out about us. Um, but behind the scenes, we're helping agencies run better businesses, um, figure out how to get more productive, get more profitable, get more healthy um, as a team. And ClickUp's the the tool that we do it, just like Shopify is the tool that you help from yeah. through it. Like the, it's um, the whole toolbox. ClickUp by itself doesn't solve the problem. It's the combination of the tooling and the process and the habits. Yeah. So, but you take that depth of strategy and expertise that you have, and then you run uh, cold outreach to an audience that needs it and bridging the gap between, hey, I've got two lines to get your attention and bring you in. And then I need to open up the type of quality conversation. How has that experience been where someone's like, fine, I'll give you the 15 minutes on a discovery call to then bridge the gap to, hey, can we actually get into your PL and unpack what's really going on? So, what I'm noticing more now than I did back in 2019 is I'd say there's been a wave of what I'd call kind of the elevated freelancers who kind of um, 
and it basically single man agencies that usually specialist in one channel. Um, and I would say it's kind of the on- online business mentality. Uh, and then you've got kind of your smaller agencies established, and then you've got your bigger agencies that normally have kind of good market equity and great online IP. And what I'm finding is our biggest battle is competing with the bigger ones that are ultimately um, going to be the preferable choice because they have a great uh, reputation. They have years and years of experience. They've got awards. But then also on the, on the flip side, what you have is kind of these single individual agencies or kind of remote businesses where um, it just feels like there isn't a lot of professionalism or isn't as well polished. And trust me, I've been there. I understand, you know, when you've got a closed business, you got to do everything you can, especially when you're first starting out. But I think what that's doing is um, putting, uh, it's making cold outreach harder and harder where you used to have, I mean, speaking from experience, I used to have one or two messages a week. Now I have 10 to 20 messages a day offering me services. And so it's how do you separate yourself from the noise? Um, and to give some simple tips to agencies, I think, you know, again, this is why we we want to focus on building our brand IP as an agency versus my personal brand is my personal brand could get us through, through the door. So, you know, my, my LinkedIn, for instance, there's a lot of, um, press, um, and there is kind of mentions of awards or, you know, what I'd call kind of my verification tick, which is, you know, mentioned in Forbes or, you know, award-winning entrepreneur or whatever that might be. So there's social proofing there on a, what I'd call commercial level. So, you know, those people aren't going to look at your Instagram. They're going to look at your LinkedIn. So it's making sure that that's well polished. And then the also is a consistency across the team. So all of my team members will have LinkedIn banners that are consistent or, essentially job descriptions or descriptions of the agency. And I think a lot of people, especially starting out, don't think about these things. It's kind of where's the brand IP outside of a good looking website. And um, a lot of them actually don't have good looking websites either. And I think starting out, a lot of people don't think they need to prioritize it. They just focus on an inbound, um, sorry, but you know, an outbound kind of lead generation technique and just double down on sales calls, which I think works for some period of time, especially when we first start. What I've noticed recently with cold outreach is um, essentially being able to leverage um, bigger brands or case studies of previous work and then basically combine those with what I'd call that personal IP. So two sentences is we've partnered with X brand in this category that might be a globally recognized brand or a challenger brand that's got a lot of attention. Um, and on a personal level, then talking about the personal achievements, you know, award-winning entrepreneur or mentioning this, or, you know, not exact director in this company, which if they look it up has just raised 2 million pounds. So it's kind of layering what I'd call the, the blue verification tick that you have on Instagram through obviously digital IP. And I, I feel like there's actually not as many businesses doing that as you would expect. Um, and that's definitely helped us. I'd also say being a little bit tongue in cheek, it's very, it's a very British kind of approach, but almost making it feel like I'm texting you versus sending a professional email. So the script is very casual, almost like, Hey, you know, I'm here to help you not the other way around. And therefore it kind of inclines that person to 
um, to engage. And then I think the final one is adding a piece of value. So usually, again, it's leveraging your time and your personal value and sense of brand perception. So saying, I'm willing to you know give 15 to 30 minutes of my time for a free consultation, or we're willing to to audit your your e-commerce store and, and give feedback on how you can better perform, and you know no strings attached. So it's kind of layering those different, I'd say, brand IP with a with a clear hook and value proposition that is really really attractive. And doing that in two sentences is hard, so you have to split test and try different angles, but it is really effective. Yeah, that's cool. I think the point that you made as well, like where's the transition point for some of these brands where it naturally makes sense. Um, if you've got a ton of success competing against the one person show where the, you know, originally they got bought by the brand because that was the the budget option and someone to do the thing that everyone's telling me you have to run Facebook ads. Like, okay, I'll go find the cheapest person I can go to, to go do that. And then they grow to a point where, okay, we got to add in retention marketing and added whatever else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think if you can gear towards what's the transition point. Yeah. And for us, a lot of that transition point is, and we've got kind of like a couple different types of brands. You've got the couple hundred person agency or hundred plus person agency and their transition tools, or this is a big initiative, you know, this is a three month, six month, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to make a big push around process orientation, how we work and efficiency. But you've got a lot of the folks in the 10 to 20% range who were like, Hey, I'm at the point where I can't do anymore as a founder. I need my head of ops. And usually the first head of ops that people hire, this is also their first time doing head of ops. Same thing as why we hired one person agencies is like, Hey, this person was affordable or they're with me and they had an inclination for this. Um, and so I really need that person to become legit in a relatively short period of time, if that's going to be the right investment. Yeah. Um, so finding those transition points is really important in terms of what do you then message around? Uh, so I think that's helpful. What do you guys, um, if we stay on the ops side and go back to tools, are there like one or two lesser known tools that, um, that power your, I mean, yeah, lesser known, but like, what are the key, the key pieces in your tech stack? To be honest, there, there isn't, I'd actually say that the problem that we have is we've previously had kind of an overstimulation of too many tools. So I think that's the, actually the, the key issue I found is. Um, you know, I had a, uh, a consultant that came into the business last year, a good friend of mine who had run bigger businesses. And he made a joke saying that, um, the way we were operating was if we're a hundred mountain company and, um, it, it, you know, and actually that was a, a negative to how we need to operate. We need to be a lot leaner and more agile. So what we've actually recently done is scaled everything back. Um, you know, we're using a tool for everything and what we've looked at is how do we simplify that down to essentially using i'd say now four key tools from an operation standpoint so i mean your basic is slack big advocate of the of google suite um so slack paired with google suite um google hangout gmail and so on um and then internal um what i'd call operating system which covers task management uh, filing SOPs is obviously your bread and butter, which is ClickUp, and that's the most recent transition we've made. And then externally facing for our clients, we actually leverage Airtable. So separating Airtable and ClickUp, I think was, was a good decision because I think it compartmentalizes the team's attitude towards the two systems. We could go as far as integrating 
and merging Airtable into ClickUp. But I think we've put a very kind of visual and customizable content system that uh, the clients have access to. Um, so I'd say in terms of our go-to stack, tech stack, those are the core kind of components. Um, backend, we have a couple of other stuff um, from an HR standpoint. So Charlie HR is really great. But yeah, I, that was actually my ops director. He comes from a tech background and um, kind of looked at how we operated as a business and wanted to make it more agile, more efficient and streamlining communication, coordination, organization. So I think we went from about 15 different pieces of software down to now four being our day-to-day use, um, which has completely transformed how we operate and how quickly we can we can work. That's awesome. Um, two follow-up questions out of that. One, what do you guys use for a CRM? So C- C- CRM is Pipedrive. Um, so Pipedrive, again, the way I think, and this is no way I advocate this for other people, but um, usually when it comes to software, it's more about the the UX UI design than actually the, the software itself. I'm terrible and if it's not minimalist, then it's not visually compelling. So I really, really struggled with using other CRM systems um, because I felt they were overcomplicated for what I needed, which is basically a dashboard to visually identify deal flow and then a CRM system working for like via email and book calls. And that, that's basically it. Yeah. So Again, um, we used other platforms in the past, but um, Pipedrive's been the been the easiest one we've used. Um, and then for more kind of task based deal flow management, we actually used a ClickUp integration, so I can I can manage all of the tasks for new business deal flow from Pipedrive and ClickUp as well. Cool, that's awesome. And then the like the spicy question, the obvious question is, what are some of the tools that got cut? Because I think this could be an inspiration for a lot of listeners. I think there was a lot of tools that got cut that were client-facing tools. So social media management software. um, And I think the biggest problem about being an agency that is full service for e-commerce businesses is you've almost got to operate as an e-commerce business yourself um, and implement the same way of thinking and the same way of working as them, but across multiple brands. So actually what I found was similar to our internal tools than our external tools in terms of what's client facing or what was aiding client delivery versus how we operate and organize ourselves as an agency. There's the same attitude. We had software here for social media, software here for email, web, analytics, data. So finding software that essentially integrates that as much as possible. So on a kind of a basic level, um, Google Data Studio um, has been obviously a uh, very useful tool for that, but then going deeper as to, you know, actually partnering with um, e-commerce specific data tools that an e-commerce brand would pay to use that gives insight into how do we optimize campaign performance across paid email um, and so on. But how do we generate you know, the data we need as an agency to put together great reports? And um, so we've gone through a very long discovery process of working with different platforms and figure out which one's agency specific or has a wide core kind of a um an integration for agencies to use across multiple brands which is actually very limiting uh, you have to kind of create your own kind of manual integrations and ways of working but there's a couple that have been great so 
uh, more specifically, you know, Whaler, Polar Analytics are the kind of two that have stood up to us. Recently worked um, with Clara as well, a couple of our clients on that. So that's the only attitude shift that we've had to make is we need to think like an e-commerce business and operate like one, but with a an agency mentality. So it's kind of a hybrid between the two that's been the hardest one. There's no specific platforms that were cut. I'd say it was just kind of a migration of, you know, having a less is more approach and just kind of filtering that down as much as possible. Yeah, makes sense. I'd like to ask people, what's your number one tip for agency operators? And that may be it, but I want to run that by you. So one, one could be, hey, consolidate down your tech stack. Uh, is there anything else that sticks out? Is it like you're talking to uh, William from two years ago and saying, man, if you if you knew this, like this is this would be my big tip. I would say on a human level, talent has a lot to do with how you improve operations as a business. And delving into that is understanding different personalities are needed for different things. Um, so I think that was kind of the first layer to, you know, if I was to give myself advice, it's understanding what kind of people I need in a team to um, essentially create the engine versus essentially the team that deliver the work for the clients. Um, so that's the first layer. The second one I'd say is also, again, basic level, but so many people don't consider this or think about it, is SOPs. Yeah. Essentially making it as simple as possible for an employee to come into the business and understand how everything runs um, and then not overcomplicating things. I, I do think, especially when you're kind of a smaller business, there's a lot of bottlenecks. The quicker you can remove those bottlenecks, implement a lean operating system that is you know foolproof for anyone to learn and then combine that with great people to manage that process um, led with very easy training. I think that's kind of where your sweet spot is. I would say for the first three years of running the business, it was go to this person for this information, speak to this person for this information. Um, if you don't have clarity on this, you know, figure it out and let us know how you figured it out. It was, you know, I think just having the right processes in place and you know, a way in which you can record that. Uh, and it's, I'd say, especially from a remote business, uh, it's super important. It was a lot harder to problem solve as a remote business. It takes a lot longer. So SOPs, leaning down your systems and processes, uh, make sure you have a very kind of efficient operating system. Those are all of the things that I just didn't think about, um, especially during COVID. Um, and that's probably because we had a lot more contact time, multiple calls throughout the day. And then I think the final one, which I read it quite recently, which was um, the, the difference between kind of your different layers of being an entrepreneur is realizing that you go from being a startup founder who starts a business and it's like the building block effect versus someone who owns a business. and the person who owns the business and when you get to the stage where you're focusing on the business is focusing on the data, data first. And if you don't have the right systems in place to give you the data, then you need to start those systems. But I definitely say the last 12 months, I myself and my ops director have been far more focused on what the data tells us. That's from everything from your finances, your time tracking capacity, your profitability per account, your expenses. It just really looking at every single piece of the business from an analytic standpoint 
where almost each week you have a snapshot of everything and how it's operating and get clear feedback on what needs fine tuning or tweaking. Um, so I'd say that's probably been the most important thing in terms of the change in attitude. Um, that's helped us operate Dutcher as a business as a well. whole. Yeah, that's awesome. The natural follow up is where is that? Um, where does that scorecard, like when we're working with teams, it's one of the first steps is, hey, let's build out your agency operator scorecard. Let's make sure that we understand what metrics matter the most. So totally agree that that's a crucial step. A lot of people are like, oh no, we're too, we're too early for that. And it's rare that there's a team who's actually too early to have a really simple scorecard that they're, that they're managing off of. If you're one person and you're trying to figure out, you're just taking on whatever you can take on to try to figure out if there's business, yes, you're too early for that. Yeah, um, but if you're four or five people and growing, um, data is your friend and it becomes more and more important. So where does that get centralized and where does that live? Well, at the moment, I'd say um, originally it was actually an Airtable. Um, and we had we actually had a very good one because Airtable has a, a lot of pre-made kind of templates to this and a custom dashboard that migrates everything. Um, as of... Four weeks ago, we're now migrating that into ClickUp. Um, so we kind of know in terms of the foundations of what we need, what KPIs we're looking at. Um, it's more of a case of making sure the tool is um, autonomous and, and basically can operate without the, the kind of manual labor required to go into it. And because ClickUp obviously um, offers solutions around essentially some of the KPIs, so such as capacity and time tracking, and um, being able to produce a RAG status on client accounts, profitability. Um, those are the things that ClickUp already does. And those are large proportions of what we focus on as an agency in terms of are we, you know, performing and hitting KPIs and, and operating the way we should. So um hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have that yeah, as kind of a, a solid foundation to the business. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I've got a million more questions I could ask you, but um, this has been really good. So I appreciate being able to come on and share, dig into some stuff around tools, talent, um, data, like really, really key pieces. I told you right before we started recording that I'm coming back from the EOS conference. So I was talking about the six key components of running a business. Like we hit on a bunch of that stuff today. Yeah. Um, folks who do want to follow your personal brand and tag along for the story, where should we point them? Um, you can probably find me the best place to find me is on linkedin so william ferreira um or you can search social buff on linkedin or www.socialbuff.com um that's probably the best place where all my content information is um through those two awesome william this has been great thanks so much for joining me today on agency journey thanks for having me it's been a pleasure